Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. We will be looking at the readings for the ninth Sunday after Pentecost. If you would like to hear those, you can listen to them on the reading podcast that was dropped yesterday. Where do I focus? Where not I focus? Where do I wrestle <laughs> with the gospel lesson? It is a really well-known event. It is Jesus walking on water, but according to St. Mark. And St. Mark, this is what, like just a few verses, it's almost, this happened and we moved on. Which has been a consistent theme for us in Mark, right? in that he's more just telling us what happened. He's not really telling us what to think about it. He's not really answering a lot of the questions that we've had. He's just kind of going for it, which I think is why these episodes have been wrestling more lately. Right. Because we're not getting a lot of resolution because we too, right there with the disciples, are struggling. What do we do with this Jesus? Right. So my first question, Vicar Hill, why did Jesus cross the sea? To get to the other side, I think is is the correct <laughs> Exactly. So we solved all the problems. That's the end. There's the gospel message to get to the other side. Yep. Amen. <laughs> I, I, I find that interesting because the text, um, I, I like what the text says for this. He got, um, he gets the disciples on the boat, sends them away, hangs out, prays for a while, and then decides, I need to get to the other side. What's the shortest way? Not walking around, but walking straight. And verse, um, what is that, 48? Mm-hmm. And he meant to walk by them. I really like that statement. What was the purpose of Jesus walking across the sea? Literally, to get to the other side. Well, and looking at the context here, he's coming off of the feeding of the 5,000, which was one of our texts for last week. Right. And this is immediately after this. He goes up to pray. And so that's why he's not on the boat with the rest of the disciples, Mm -hmm. is he was like, you guys go on ahead. I need some alone time to pray. And what's even more interesting is if you look at verse 48, he saw them and he saw that they're struggling on the boat. Because there's great wind. <laughs> yes, that's a good point. So it's not even like he's he's coming to try to help them. He's just trying to get to the other side. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think that's interesting. Just as he's walked by and like, well, sucks to be you guys. I'll meet you on the other side. Well, and it's the fourth watch of the night, which is like three in the morning. Right. This is terrible. They obviously did not intend to be out this late or this early. Uh, they clearly got stuck. I feel like they're always getting stuck. Yes, on, on one way or another on yeah. the sea. They and I don't think they're bad fishermen. I think <laughs> I, I really don't. They're a lot like half of them are professional fishermen. Right. I think they're fine sailors, but I think they've been running into some bad weather on the sea. So, I, one of the things that I personally have been wrestling with, especially with Jesus, true man, true God, mm-hmm. he meant to pass them by. He saw that they were making no headway, 
and he was just going to walk by. It's almost as if, oh, you guys are still here. I didn't see that coming. I didn't know you would be here. Funny, meeting you in the middle of the sea, you know, <laughs> all, all these very awkward aspects. Because we, we look at Jesus, he's God, mm-hmm. all-knowing, all-powerful, all these all things. He meant to pass them by. Is he surprised to see them? You know, that's interesting. Right. I, I don't know what to do with it. I, that's why I bring it up. No, I, I'm with you on this. I'm not sure what to do with this Jesus who, I think you put it this way, is almost reactionary. Right, yeah. Where he's reacting to these events that are happening. And I think that contrasts sometimes our image of him as completely 100% premeditated. Yeah, I'm really comfortable mm-hmm. with the premeditated God in man. All these things are perfectly laid out. I meant to do this. This was my plan. Of course I was going to do it this way. Of course I was going to do it that way. I was able to say this. I was able to move this so that everything would work out instead of, oh, surprised to see you out here on the middle of the sea. Well, and when Jesus talks about his premeditated plan, mm-hmm. it's oftentimes very specific. Yeah. I'm going to go. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be crucified, and three days later, I'm going to rise. Like, when Jesus is talking about what his premeditated plan is, that's how he puts it. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's big picture. It's also completely implausible to the disciples that this is going to happen. And so, it's not that Jesus has, like, no intentions, and he's just, let's see what happens. Like, he has a plan. Right. And he sticks to it, and that's exactly what happens. It's almost like his focus is so singular on— his death and resurrection, that it's almost like these other these other things that happen are just kind of ancillary. At least that's how it's presented in Mark, where, mm-hmm. where he's only focused on one thing, and then some of these other things are happening mm-hmm. along the way, and he's, like you said, almost reacting to them, right. as opposed to planning out particulars that are going to take place along the way. Well, before the recording, the idea that God becomes really logical and practical, mm-hmm. again— how do I get to the other side? I walk straight line over the sea. How do I feed 5,000 people? I feed 5,000 people. Here, Here's some take bread. some loaves. <laughs> you know, just again, the, the practicality of this. And, and again, you don't have Jesus, you know, looking at everybody. Well, don't you walk on water? Don't you have 5,000 loaves ready for everybody? <laughs> How are you going to do this? I'll do it. I'm God. Practical. And I, I, I like that. I, I can get my head around that a little bit, except he's still man. Right. And, and what does this mean? How does it—you're just going to do that? And again, I, I don't know what to do with that because, again, it's the full humanity, the full divinity at work, not separate. And I really like that because I don't get it. It's mm-hmm. a miracle— Mystery of the Incarnation. Right. The fullness, all-powerful God, limited. Because that's what he does. The the finite contains the infinite. Yeah. How does that work? I don't know. Right. That's why we're still talking about this 2,000 years later. Right. Is because there's still so much mystery here. This is so much bigger than us. And we're not still talking about it to try to figure out that mystery. We're still talking about it because it still is a mystery. 
Well, and I think we're in good company on this one, Mm -hmm. because look what happens with the disciples on the boat. Of course, they see Jesus walking on the water. They think it's a ghost, because people don't walk on water. But apparently ghosts do? Yeah, I've always, I've been curious (laughs) about that. How many ghosts do you see out in... Uh, on the sea. But, I mean, how many myths and whatnot from pirates and well, seamen? Fair enough, you know, yeah. So, who knows? Too much sun on the, the brain. But um, immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And apparently that solves all the issues. Don't worry, it's me. As if that answers all the questions. Well, it apparently does when he steps into the boat, because then even the storm comes down. Well, see, that's what I like. He enters into the boat, and then everything is okay. It's like when he calmed the storm, when right. we were talking about, you know, Jesus saying, like, peace, be still. Except this time he doesn't even say anything. He just, when he gets into the boat with them, everything yeah. calms down. I, I, I like that. And again, it almost brings this more mysterious situation. Jesus shows up, and everything gets calm. Oh, hey, guys. Yeah. <laughs> And I love how the the disciples respond to this, utterly astounded, for they're still struggling with the fact that he fed 5,000 people, but their hearts were hardened. Mm. I think that is just really interesting, and I have a couple of thoughts. The bigness of this, they can't comprehend. This guy just walked on water, the storm just calmed down, he just fed 5,000 people. Who is this guy? We understand that he's a messiah, but of course, it's where, where's the conquering messiah? Where's right. the, the power and might? Not this. When I think his actions are so contrary to human logic that right. they almost can't understand why he's doing what he's doing. You know, it, like we were talking about the lows and the walking on water. Mm-hmm. He's almost like too practical here, too practical to understand. Yeah. You're hungry? Let me feed you. You're not making head. You're making painful headway. Let me help you. I'll show up. And again, just the, the the bigness of all of this. How do you deal with God showing up in the flesh to take care of things in such a practical way? They're not. I, I don't know if they were afraid of dying. I don't know if they were just so annoyed that they're rowing and rowing and not going anywhere. But again, astounded, and their hearts are hardened. And again, I, I think that has a lot of applications for us today. What is God doing within our lives? And I don't want to make this an allegory or, or anything like that. But again, how practical is God in your life? Right. Take a breath. Where did that breath come from? Well, the practicality of God creating it, processing it through your lungs that he created and gave, you know, so on and so forth. And he continues to keep that. How quickly do we pass that off as, well, it just happens? Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, the bigness of what is happening with God showing up. And then I'm not wrestle with the simple fact that I'm not wrestle with Jesus' humanity and his reaction. Right. Or him being reactionary. Oh, hey, guys. Let me take care of things for you. Mm -hmm. Who are you? Well, and one detail that I just, I was looking at again as you guys were talking was he gets in the boat and then the winds cease, Mm -hmm. which means to my reading, he's walking through the waves and the wind. And you would think 
you would want the opposite. Mm-hmm. If you'd want to be walking on water, which, you know, we all do casually, right? <laughs> you'd want it to be a nice, peaceful <laughs> lake that you're just walking across, but he's walking in the wind and it's just casual and he's just planning on moseying right past him. It, it, it's just, to us, it's just so many things that don't add up mm-hmm. that all contribute to this wonder that we leave this text with, I think. Well, and going back to Pastor Wright, I think maybe this is something that Jesus does quite frequently in his ministry. He makes the mysterious practical. Think about John 11. You know, they have Lazarus. Lazarus has died. And Jesus just says, Lazarus, come out. He takes such a practical approach to even death that he takes this like mysterious, impossible, tragic event and just approaches it in the most straightforward, practical way possible. And I think part of the the thing that's hard for us is that isn't often how God necessarily works in our lives all the Mm -hmm. time. And that our lives are messy and our lives are complicated. And we often find ourselves asking, where am I going? What am I doing? What's what's my plan here? What, what's my predestined plan or whatever you want to say that I'm supposed to be following? And we often feel, feel lost. And sometimes God's practicalness is hard for us to hear because we're in the middle of the mess. So I, I've talked about this, uh, especially in Bible class, and the idea that when you have a problem, the blinders go up, mm-hmm. and that's all you can see is that problem. And then it makes you mad that everybody can see the bigness of it and see the solutions, but all you can see is the problem. And no, you don't understand what I'm doing. And again, you lose the whole picture. And I appreciate that because it is the, the the struggle of how do we react to God? Because that's all we can do. We, we're, we're definitely reactionary. Mm-hmm. And I, I like the messiness because God really is the calm presence because it's salvation, it's life, it's, it's forever, and, and the work is finished. But we still struggle with the now and, not, and the not yet. Right. And um, this is something that is interesting because when they get to the shore— the people recognize them. The people from the feeding of the 5,000, they run to the other side and they recognize him. What do they recognize? And I, I think that's an interesting statement because I think this is what we do. We recognize Jesus is a big thing. But how do we treat him as this big thing? Is he the one that's going to feed us? Now he's the, the bread king. He's going to fill our bellies and we'll be fat, dumb, and happy. Uh, Israel did that, mm-hmm. and then exile came. Or is he here to to heal? You know, they brought all of their sick. Is he healed to deal? Is he here to deal with our immediate bodily concerns? Right. Yeah. And it's not that he's not there for that. Right. Um, but what is his big mission? And his straightforward, practical plan to addressing all sickness and disease is ultimately to raise us all from the dead, which is a walk-across-the-lake kind of solution to this. How are we going to deal with the fact that everybody is sick and everybody is dying? How about I just raise everybody from the dead? How about that? And we make a new heaven and a new earth without evil and sin. 
That's that's a very straightforward solution to a complicated problem. Mm-hmm. And it's a straightforward solution that we wouldn't think of. No. You know, feeding yeah. 5,000, just a couple of loaves and, and a few fish, it's not a, an answer we would come up with. And no. likewise, to death, it would not be to die and then rise again. It would be heal, heal me in the here and now so I can continue living. So even his solutions to us are not solutions we would come up with. No. They're far greater and grander and thankfully more lasting solutions. <laughs> well, you know, and going back to Vicar Lieber's statement, too practical, too mm-hmm. straightforward. Yeah. You're dead. Which well, I don't do you do? think you would normally think of with right. God's solutions. You'd think God's mysterious. Right. He's, he's bigger than us. Yeah. But maybe the problem is that he's too practical. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> he's too down to earth. We want to say, you know, God works in mysterious ways. And I, I think that's a, a convenient statement for us because we don't understand the simplicity of his practical acts. But we also don't want to underplay that or overplay that where, oh, everything's just obvious. Resurrection, healing. Those things aren't obvious. No. Uh, too often, again, just the idea, the resurrection is, is truly an abstract idea for me to comprehend. I, I get it. Yeah. I'll live again forever. What the heck is forever? Mm-hmm. How do I deal with that? What do I do? Right. How am I going to deal with for You know, so on and so forth. And, and again, the new heaven, the new earth, all the issues and problems are solved in a very practical, straightforward way. So practical, so straightforward, I can't grasp it. Right. I don't like that. I really like to be uh, have things categorized, easily defined, a filing system that I can find everything, <laughs> which is not anything that I, I'm not a very organized person. So I'm. <laughs> but with that, though, to, to wrestle with God, I like putting him in boxes. Mm-hmm. And I, I want a practical God. But I want him to be practical for me. Right. Well, practical for me would mean come and heal me. Yeah. Practical for me would be... Fix my problems. Fix my problems. And God's bigger than that. He's simultaneously so much bigger and more mysterious than we can ever grasp, and so much more straightforward and practical than we can ever deal with. Would this be the hardening of hearts? Maybe. Or for the disciples. This is too big. Chris Hill uh, was talking about this a little bit before we recorded. He was talking about kind of what that hardening of hearts brought up for him. Because it's difficult to deal with. I mean, it's always difficult whenever we hear hardening of hearts. My immediate thought was to go to Pharaoh. Because that's the first time I really remember that coming up. And then it's, it's really odd to think of the disciples, the apostles of Jesus in the same in the same description as Pharaoh with a right. hardened heart. Right. And it's like, what do we what do we do with that? And Vicar Leeper made a good point to that um, when he talked about, well, there's still redemption. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, let's do the prophet Ezekiel. I'll take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Yeah. Well, that, that's the indwelling of Christ. That's justification, forgiveness, the work of the Holy Spirit, so on and so forth. That's, again, all of God's work. And I, I like the the hardening of heart as our human reaction to God. Right. Talk about reactionary. Right. God shows up. What do we do? We go the other way. Garden of Eden, we sin. What do we do? We run away. God, where are you? And I like the idea, especially in this, and this is completely uh, allegorizing the situation, Jesus literally walks out to our situation and practically solves the issue. Calms the storm, we go this way. 
let's go. And I, it, it's interesting. And I, I'm really surprised at how Mark has the ability to state the facts of God's actions in Christ and look how much we're wrestling with it. Mm-hmm. These are all facts. These are all obvious situations. I completely understand what's going on. I can get the mental picture. I have no clue what to do with it. Well, think about it. Mark's paralleling Jesus a little bit. Yeah. Mark is so straightforward. Yeah, yeah. We don't know how to deal with him. Because when you look at, like, John, Mm -hmm. when you look at Luke, these events have a little bit more of a clear, like, meaning to them. To the sense that it's a little bit clearer what the intention is. Mm -hmm. Well, Mark just tells you what happened. Like, okay, here's what happened. What are you going to do about it? See, I I love that because it it really is, how do you put yourself in this event? Mm -hmm. Especially when it's just facts. It's Mm -hmm. not a narrative. It's not a story. This happened. God acted. Jesus acted. Disciples did this. And then here's the next event. This happened. Disciples acted. Here's the next event. And how do you see yourself in that story when it is facts? And, and again, the bigness, the practicalities. Um, I, I like wrestling with Mark. And I'm, like I said, I myself, I'm a little astounded with God because <laughs> I don't know what to do. And, and with that, you know, not only is there forgiveness, but it, it, this humbling. I don't have to understand it. Mm-hmm. Uh, God has promised to come and deliver. I'm going to trust in his works. I'm going to sit and let him do his stuff. I'm going to react in the sense of having his righteousness, his love, do what it's going to do. And this isn't passive. And it's the idea that what do we do? We, we continue to follow. We continue to listen. We continue to struggle. And I like that struggling because it's not, you know, we cross our arms and begrudgingly go. It's, I don't know what to do, God. Yeah. And I'm going to trust that you will take care of me. Where do we go? And in that struggle, we hear a word of comfort in this text too. Mm. Do not be afraid. It is I. I. I am he. Jesus is with the disciples. He shows up and through it, he is with them. And whatever the whatever we're dealing with, he is there. Um, and that's kind of that practical piece too. He he is there with us uh, in, in all of it. And with that, I appreciate that you didn't say something like Jesus shows up and fixes everything. <laughs> Jesus shows up, we still wrestle. But we wrestle in the comfort of his presence. He's in that struggle. He has promised never to, to leave or forsake. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable. And of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.